Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah. For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Of course, he was quoting from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Peter, in his uh, second letter, said, we, were, we didn't just believe a bunch of old wives' tales. He said, we were eyewitnesses <coughs> of Christ's glory and his majesty and his power. He said, but you have something even more sure than their testimony. He says the words of the prophets, the prophets of Israel. And again, the prophet of Israel here pointing to the place where the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ would be born. So this was not done by God. Randomly, he had planned this. And so today, we look at this And of course, Herod tried to kill Jesus, we know the story, tried to stop it because he was king and he wanted his son to be king after him. So this whole idea of a king being born that he didn't know anything about and wasn't his son, he didn't want anything to do with that. And he was going to try to destroy that. And it's interesting, these wise men or kings, whoever they were, they came from the east. Um, They somehow, through some sort of divination, God revealed to them that there was going to be a great king that they were going to come to worship that was born in Israel, and they didn't know where. And the Jewish uh, people knew where. Uh, Herod asked the priests, and they knew right away. They said, well, this is where it's supposed to be. They knew. supposed to be in the city that David was born in, the city of Bethlehem. David City. So from there we go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And we'll spend a little time in here. And this is when Jesus was born. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And this message... was not given to scholars, to the rich, to the wise men in, in, in universities, wasn't given to the, the religious leaders. It was shepherds watching in a field. They're watching their sheep. They're at work in a field at night. People don't know, a lot of people don't know this, but shepherds were considered to be like the lowest of men. Shepherds, you know, people that did 
very difficult task. It was hard work. It was constant work. I imagine they smelled like their flocks a lot. And they were considered to be the lowest of men. In the men's meeting, we're studying the story of Joseph. And it says in there that when Joseph's brothers uh, came to visit him and he set food before them and had, at his house, it says that uh, the Egyptians ate separately from them uh, because shepherds were detestable to them. And the reason why was because they were considered like, uh, in, uh, in the viewpoint of their society, low life. And you say, well, why would God send the message to the lowest of lowly people? And that is the message in that occurrence, that God reached out to the lowest of people, the lowest people in society among men, not low in God's eyes, of course, but low amongst the people of society. And the lowest of the low, not scholars, not wise men, not any of those. We read in the last one that the wise men had to follow a star. <laughs> they had a, God revealed under a star and, and they, had a, they had to travel a long distance. But the shepherds who were right near Bethlehem, angels came personally and announced that message. And so the, from the wisest of the wise men to the lowest people in society, God revealed that message. It says, this is a message that shall be for all people. It is a message of glad tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. This is God's outreach to all people. Not all people, of course, will receive it. But this is God's message of goodwill and peace to everybody. And it's a message of gladness and great joy. And we should, on a daily basis, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, This is a message that we can rejoice in every day. This is a message of gladness and joy. We're not always in that place. We let circumstances and uh, our environment and what were things we're going through uh, dampen these glad tidings of great that should be of great great joy to us. But we find that sometimes we are and sometimes we lose sight of that. But this is a message of peace and goodwill that we should rejoice in always. Not just, um, you know, in the end of December, but 365 days a year, 24-7. Rejoice in the Lord always, always. And again, I say rejoice. And why? No matter what our circumstances is, no matter what's going around uh, on around us, no matter what our loved ones are going through and excruciating things that we have to look at that our you know, loved ones are going through, no matter what our trials and pain in our, in our body and in our, you know, the pain that comes to us in many different ways, this is the, the ointment to heal and to re- cause us to recover from all these things. A message of glad tidings, good news, glad news of great joy. And the question we ask ourselves is, is that what we're experiencing? This abundant life is what Jesus talked about. A place, a higher plane that we can find. This higher ground that that hymn talks about. This place of gladness and rejoicing that is for all people. Now people say, well, you don't know what I'm going through right now. And 
maybe we can say, yeah, you're right. I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through either. But there is a message for each of us and all of us, a message of great news, of great joy. A joy, Jesus says, that no one can take away from us. We kind of give it away sometimes because we look at what's going on around us and things that are happening to us and people around us and we let it drag us down. But that is a decision. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the joy of the Lord be unconfined in us that we should not just make it when we're feeling that way. But we have a special gift given to us by, by God through His Son. He gave us His Son to save us and to put a joy in our hearts that no one can steal from us, but we're not always experiencing. But the angels announced it. This peace and goodwill that the angels sang about we sing about it today. Good on, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men from God. As we often talk about, there's not we don't see a lot of goodwill in this world. We certainly don't see peace in this world. And even in the nation of Israel, we don't see peace. And there's going to be turmoil there from, from here going forward, apparently. It says in the book of Zechariah that I will, in the last days I will make uh, Jerusalem to be a burdensome stone and a tr- cup of trembling to all the nations round about it. So let's follow where this story goes. See, after the announcement, there is this praising of God, this worshiping of God, and this announcement and giving glory to God like we're singing in the song. In Excelsior's day, a glory to God in the highest. Glory to... uh, And on earth peace and goodwill toward men. In verse 15. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, there's a shepherd said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And that's an important statement. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And Jesus also says, no one knows the Father except the Son. And no one knows the Son except the Father and he whom he chooses to reveal it to. God, the examiner of the heart, revealed to these shepherds. And he reveals to those who will be saved too. Based on what? Based on God's God's doing. Based on his plan. Based on his foreknowledge. Based on his examining of the hearts. Based on a lot of things that are mystery to us. But he reveals it to them. And once it's revealed to them, they go. And they go and see this thing that's happened that's announced to them. They go to experience it. They hear the word that comes to them from God, and they go. They leave their sheep. Just like the disciples we read a few weeks ago, how they left their, their fishing boats. Uh, Matthew left his tax collection table. These people, they leave their sheep. They go to see what, what, what's been told to them. And after they... They, they go and they see Mary and Joseph, it says, in verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known 
the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And this is an important statement also that's told to us here. It says, when they saw him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They had glad news told to them. Glad tidings of great joy were given to them. And they went and saw it, and then they went and preached it. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's present tense. It's not a past, it's not a future tense message. It's present tense. He cannot see the kingdom of God. It doesn't say he won't see the kingdom of God, which is also true, but he can't see it as present tense also. These people saw, and what they saw, they spoke about. It says, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Last week, we talked about um, how that we are given a ministry of reconciliation from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That God is speaking through us as his ambassadors to be reconciled, make peace with God. We've heard the news that God has given us. We've heard it. We see the kingdom of God. God has given us. Uh, we haven't seen Jesus in a manger physically, but he's, given a, he's opened our heart to see this and to believe it. And so now we speak of it, just like these shepherds. It says, they saw it and they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And it says that everybody who heard it was amazed at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Now we know from the book of Acts, as, as the story kept on going on, that some people were glad and received it. And some people responded indifferently. Some people annoyed. Some people angry. Some people violently, like Saul of Tarsus. was an angry, violent man when he heard this message and it was being preached. And he tried to destroy this message, just like King Herod tried to destroy Jesus and kill him. And we see the work of the enemy to try to stop this message and to stop the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God won't be stopped. But you can see the ministry of the shepherds. Verse 20. <clears throat> then the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. And the message of a rejoicing heart. That this glad tidings, this glad news of great joy, this news that says that they heard, it caused them to glorify God and praise God, worship God, as they returned. Returned where? Back to their environment, back to their surroundings. And they took that word with them to where they were. They went back to their flocks. They went back, and wherever, wherever they were, they took that news with them and told it. And it says they glorified and praised God. <coughs> the next part is in the same chapter in verse 25, and this is about the man Simeon. And this is when uh, Jesus was going to be circumcised uh, as a baby, I believe it's eight days later. I'm not 100% sure of that. But I think circumcision uh, is something they did eight days after. Um, and so they brought him to the temple in Jerusalem. 
And verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Before we go on, a couple things to notice. This man Simeon, a man, a godly man, but it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it says that the Holy Spirit had revealed something to him. And had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So the Bible teaches us uh, that we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that God has freely given us. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be a teacher and a guide, a comforter, a helper. <clears throat> this is how where we can go astray if we don't take heed to this. There are a lot of false teachings in Christendom and a lot of worldly philosophies, philosophies that Christians embrace, that can, they can embrace in Christendom. And it's a warning to us that we need to hear from God for ourselves. He didn't hear this from a pulpit. He heard from God for himself. Doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to, to brethren's preaching and think, teachers and uh, teaching and encouraging and correcting and warning one another. The Bible teaches us. So the ministry of fe and fellowship is important. But it's important that the foundation be that we seek God ourselves. And as we seek God for ourselves, make it our personal uh, endeavor to seek God for ourselves, that God himself begins to reveal to us personally. And we see this here, that God revealed something to this man who's waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit reveals to him that you're not going to die. Before, you're going to see the Messiah before you die. And so he goes in the temple and it says, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Holy Spirit led him to this. He came into the temple by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> A guide. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. So, Jesus leads and we follow through the Holy Spirit. And so you see that God communicated to this man through the Scriptures. He knew about the Messiah through the Scriptures. And God also communicated to him on a personal level. Person to person. Did he read in the scriptures that God, God was going to not God's revelation to him? Yeah. 
God spoke to God revealed this to him personally. How? I don't know. It says that God revealed to him that he wasn't going to die before he saw the cross. That was not something written in the scriptures. I ran into a couple people who are go to a fundamentalist church and they say, Oh no, God doesn't speak that way. They I didn't actually they started talking about it. It's all about people say, oh, God spoke them this way and that way. Yeah, there's a lot of strange things in Christian people saying God spoke to them and, and they do weird things. I agree with that. But the fact of the matter is that God does not only speak to us through his word. He lives in us to communicate to us, to reveal things and to teach things in his word. But also, he shows us things through circumstances he guides us and teaches us and gives us revelations. Sometimes he may give us a prophetic word. Sometimes there's a lot of different things that he communicates to us in different ways. I'm not talking about Pentecostalism. I'm talking about things that we see in the Word of God. That not only here, but if you read in the book of Acts, you read the things that the, Jesus and the apostles taught that this is true. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Holy Spirit led him to come at the temple at this time. And he, he came across Mary and Joseph carrying Jesus. And he took him up in his arms. And he referred to him, he says, <clears throat> he referred to him in verse 32 as a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel to reveal to us the, the will of God. And then in verse 34, verse 33, I'm sorry, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the rise, fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. And yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it discerns the thoughts and intentions, piercing to the soul and the dividing of the soul and spirit, exposes and reveals our thoughts and intentions of our hearts. The thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. In Romans uh, chapter 2, I believe it is, it talks about the day in which. The secrets of heart, many hearts will be, secrets of men's hearts will be revealed. Yes, here it is. <clears throat> Christ being born and the destiny of Christ would be, and for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And a sign which would be spoken against, not just in his time. But for 2,000 years, people have spoken against this and will continue to speak against it until the time of the end. It is going to be unpopular and angry. People, Some people will be angry and even violent against it. Others will be indifferent towards it. Others will embrace it to a certain level, but unwilling to accept the lordship of Jesus. And then there's the children of God who embrace it, who buy the find the treasure in the field, and they take everything and they buy that treasure. They they embrace that treasure. They embrace it. The rise of many and the fall of many. And a sign that will be spoken again that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The hearts 
of mankind will be revealed through this child who became a man, the Son of God who came to this earth. And it's going to bring a response of one sort or another to everyone who hears it. God's word will not return to him empty, but will go out and do whatever it is he sent it out to do, and will not return to him void, empty. But it's not sent out in vain that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and for the rise and fall of many. And then verse 36, Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, she was very old, and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in at that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And here is this woman, a prophetess. God revealed it to her too. Again, she didn't read it in the book of the law. She, she read things in the book of the law but the you know knowing and speaking about this child and being at the temple at that time, just like with Zechariah, this uh, Simon, uh, it was revealed by God. God reveals things to His people, and so it was. It says she served God with prayers and fasting on a daily basis, seeking God daily. And God reveals things. We shouldn't let that fall on, on dull ears, but to hear what it's saying about these people here. Were these people special people? They were. But they were just people. But they were special because they sought the Lord. And as they sought the Lord, God revealed things to them. And, of course, God has revealed to us many things for believers that this message is true. And so, oh, yeah, I read it in the Word. Well, a lot of people read it in the Word, but they don't believe it's true. They hear it, they read it, uh, they speak strange things about it. But to us who believe, it's because God has revealed to us a revelation to, to us God reveals it to us we read the story in the book of Acts <coughs> where uh, the woman and I think I can't think of her name that God uh, opened her heart Lydia. To take, Lydia thank you to take heed to the things that Paul was <coughs> preaching that God uh, everybody that was there at that time heard what Paul said, but not everybody's heart was open to that. So, God opened Lydia's heart to take heed to the things, to, to embrace the things that Paul was preaching from the Word of God, of the Word of God. So the next one is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, going backwards, that John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, uh, when he announced that his wife, who was past, was old, was going to have a baby, John, the, John, who would be John the Baptist, he didn't believe the angel Gabriel, and Gabriel struck him with uh, that he couldn't speak until the time that John the Baptist was born. And then when it was time for uh, the circumcision of John the Baptist, uh, God loosed his tongue in verse 67. Now his father Zechariah 
was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who haven't been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And then speaking to John the Baptist, and he prophesied, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. You will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people for the forgiveness of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, from which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. <clears throat> As we often quote from the Gospel of John, so Jesus said, If any man follows me, he will not be in darkness, but have the light of life. And here prophesies that God would guide our feet, give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so he has. And today we glorify God today, we rejoice, and we praise him for what he's done for us. He's given us this revelation and something for us to just really rejoice in today because not everybody has this revelation say well why do we have it not others well God knows but he's given it to us to bless us but also to be a blessing to others like the shepherds to just let that gladness this goodwill and peace that God has given us and this great news that has given us joy to share it with others, that they might rejoice and enjoy it too and be saved too, and that their feet would be guided into the way of peace, and that they would have a light in the darkness. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for? Other than to be trampled under the foot of men. God has given us a light and a joy in our hearts. I haven't been really experiencing that much lately. But even though we may not have been experiencing it, He's given it to us. He's given it to us to experience and to rejoice in. He hasn't given us a dry, dull, religious life. He's given us great joy, great news. For not experiencing it, then we have to take a step back and say, well, why not? Where, where have I drifted from this great joy? Because it's there for all people. Especially all those who are in Christ. And so sometimes we get burdened down, as we said earlier, by the cares of this life and the things of this world. And weeds of this life can choke out that joy, that great joy, that abundant life that Jesus has given us. And you look at this great news from the very beginning of the new covenant. 
in the book of Malachi, the last chapter of the book of Malachi, it says, and the messenger of the covenant will come suddenly to his temple. And he did. We go on in that chapter of the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 2, talks about how Jesus as a, as a boy, as, as a baby, comes suddenly to the temple. And as a boy, at age 12, he comes suddenly to the temple. They didn't even know it, except a couple of people. And he came suddenly as a boy of 12 years of age. And he sits in the temple and he's talking to the, the scribes and the teachers of the law. Where'd this guy, where'd this kid get his wisdom from? Who is this kid? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? This great news that he's given to us. We need a revival of that if we're not experiencing that. To revive that great news, that great joy in our hearts. To experience it because it's for us. Well, it's gotten choked out. Well, let's get out, get away from those weeds. Remove the weeds that are choking out. The business of life. The life of business. Busyness. Even in this holiday season. You know, one of the things that I noticed from the time I was a little kid, a lot of people do a lot of things for this holiday. But a lot of them don't enjoy it. Some people look forward to this holiday season as an excuse to get smashed, to get bombed, to get, you know, drunk or, or high or whatever. And as a young man, I was one of them. I didn't know anything else about it or didn't want to know anything else about it. And how far away that is from the truth. And I've seen other people like Martha. And I've been there too. Like all this preparations for this tradition and this holiday and all this stuff we got to do. We got to buy all these presents and Gotta get all these things for people. What if I don't get all this done? And you know, and all this pressure, and, and you see the anxiety on people's faces. If you don't, if you haven't never noticed that, just go out to one of the malls today and just go start walking around, and you'll see all these wrinkled foreheads and this anxious looks on some people's faces. Not everybody, you see it in some people's faces. And you see a lot of disillusionment. Some people don't even like this holiday. I've heard people say, I don't even like Christmas because it's just all this commercialism and all this, you know, people trying to take, you know, get you to spend money and it's just big business, you know, this big racket. And I've kind of been in that place too. And it's true to some degree. But around all this stuff and all these weeds, if you pull all the weeds out of the way, there is this glad tidings of great joy which is for everybody. The shepherd in the field, the wise men in a faraway country who are drawn to see that event, to see the Christ from far away. The message to every nation and every people and every person, the message to everyone. And it will reveal the thoughts of many hearts. Even our hearts. Are we tangled in the weeds? Is our heart a little hard? Or a little stony ground? Break up the, 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 that fallow ground. Pull out those weeds. 
There's a, there's a great message of great joy that we can enjoy, that abundant life. Let us, let's be like those shepherds today. Let that joy be revived in our hearts for not experiencing that. That's what I have today, brothers, if you want to take it from there. I guess when you were reading, um, what really was, what really spoke to me was um, the angel's message that he, they shared with the, um, the shepherds, you know, peace um, on earth, goodwill towards men. And I was just thinking about God's peace. And God has just been showing in my own personal life how I can abide in his peace. And um, I just, uh, a few verses kind of came to my mind as I was looking through them. And um, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is, as he is in the light, uh, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of uh, Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, I was thinking about, like, having a, walking with having a clear conscience before God. How, um, when we are walking with a clear conscience before God, uh, before God, we're not walking around with guilt, or in shame, or things like that. And, the people, you know, as we know, the Christmas message is that uh, the goodwill that God has towards us and that he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. He was buried and rose again. It's not by any good works or anything that we have obtained our salvation. It's by, it's by what he has done for us. And I was thinking about how we can come to his throne and receive that which we don't deserve uh, from him. It's grace. I was meditating on his undeserved favor towards us and how that um, we can walk in his peace knowing that it's not it's because of what he has done for me I don't have to be good enough to come to him that's one thing that relieves a burden off of our shoulders uh, the other thing I was meditating on is how you know like when I repent of sin I can be forgiven and I can have a clear, uh, I can have my relationship restored from God. He yes. will cleanse me immediately. I don't have to throw myself a pity party. You know what I mean? I don't have to throw myself a pity party and beat myself up. I can confess my sin and in my heart, I, I know that I feel very sorry because I love God and He immediately cleanses me. And I'm in right standing with God through not by what I have done, but by what Jesus has done for me. And the other thing too is I was thinking about uh, this verse came to my mind, um, Galatians five sixteen. Walk by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I know that God has taught me that. When I am walking in repentance towards sin, and I have a clear conscience before God, He empowers me supernaturally to um, resist sin to a great degree. Do you know what I mean? Like when temptation comes my way, as I walk in the Spirit, as I walk, um, you know, the Word is, uh, you know, the word of God is a light and a lamp unto our feet. As I continue in God's word, as I continue in my obedience, then I, I not only have a clear conscience before God, but I'm walking in the spirit. And therefore, you know, when Satan comes against me or if my flesh is trying to, to grab hold of something, it's because I'm walking in the spirit, I have the supernatural power of God to resist temptation to resist the devil. And um, I find that I can walk, I can have victory and power in my life <coughs> by just continuing in obedience to God's word um, that he's given us. So these are some of the meditations that I've had. Mm -hmm. it's, it's when we are walking in deliberate sin, when we're walking in unrepentant sin, that 
we begin to not experience, um, not only do we not have a, a clear conscience with God, we begin to um, be weak mm -hmm. and more susceptible to temptations. Um, yeah, I was just um, in verse uh, 29 through 32, I was reading um, the prophecy um, that is spoken of. I believe it's from the book of Isaiah. I'm really not sure that I don't have the reference here. Um, Lord, um, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, um, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a reminder and also something that uh, brings great encouragement that this was a plan from the beginning that the gospel, that Christ was going to come and that he was going to open up the gates of the kingdom to all peoples. And um, that enables mostly all of us here to, to have a relationship with him um, because of something that was, because of this plan, because of the gospel and something that was, um, you know, prophesied and we can find even in the Old Testament. And I think the other thing that stood out to me is that the peace that God is talking about is that through the, the trouble of this life, we can have his peace in the midst of it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, I give to you. That we can have um, hope um, that God will work all things to our good, you know, as we continue you know, in, in following him. Hmm. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that uh, this great news of great joy would be just uh, stir us up. And there are any areas that need revival, Lord, that would be a revival of this great joy and that your Holy Spirit would just uh, lift us, Lord, out of to, to be a, uh, in this higher plane above our circumstances and that we would rise up with wings as eagles above that and really trust you as uh, your word says that through faith we enter into uh, your rest. So help us to just trust in your word and to believe on you and to just have this great joy just stir us and uh, compel us and move us, Lord, to to um, to be a, a compelling force in our life, and also uh, to be a blessing to others in many different ways. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, we have some uh, refreshments. We're going to have. We're not having lunch today. We're just have Kate's going to put out some refreshments. And stuff.